Hi, good afternoon. Another Are episode here. Cocktail. Yeah, good afternoon, good evening. Happy Friday. Thank Fucking God Friday. it's Friday. Yes, thank God. Welcome to another episode here at Cocktails and Crimes. During spooky season, so what's up, my favorite ghouls and ghoulettes? Um, guess what? I'm not even going to lie to you. I was trying to determine what I wanted to make drink-wise. My super fan. <laughs> my super fan. I love it. Flatters I need a super fan now, too. He is your Wait, super fan, maybe too. not. Okay, because yeah, no, you don't remember what you don't we talked about earlier. You, don't, you guys, are, <laughs> I don't know all that going on. Yeah, don't do it. I need to be supervised at all times. Get myself into too much I'm trouble. So I'm telling you. Yeah. So look, I was trying to determine what I wanted to make for drink tonight, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. It was kind of one of those like. Normally, you know, I get like really crafty and really fun, and I was like, I'm mm. so not in the mood to crafty. So tonight's drink is just the most. Stupid simple thing in the world. It is a whiskey strawberry watermelon lemonade. That is right up my alley. It sounds amazing. I made it in a big cup and I made almost Mm. a gallon because I'd be thirsty. Right. So it's Mm. uh, for a normal size person serving, not (laughs) not my my serving over here. Um, Super easy recipe. Super simple to go by. Uh, it's going to be one and a half ounces of whiskey of your choice. I use Jack for this, but it's totally the whiskey of your choice. Um, half ounce of orange liqueur, half ounce of lemon juice, half ounce of sugar. I put like a little bit of my lemon juice on there and try to like melt down my sugar. Um, one and a half ounces of lemonade or Sprite, lemonade and Sprite, and then 0.75 ounces of melon and Hmm. 0.25 ounces of grenadine, Hmm. and then pour over ice, and it tastes just like strawberry watermelon lemonade. Wow. Um, it almost tastes like if you drink loaded teas. I'm a loaded tea junkie. Yeah. Almost tastes just like their strawberry watermelon loaded tea. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. Someone has a question here. I always make Barbie drinks at the bar. They're so super simple. Mm. Um, I was actually at a dive bar in Slidell, Louisiana, just a couple weeks ago. And I was, the girl was like, I'm a new bartender. I don't know what I'm doing. And this girl was like ordering, I don't even know, some crazy shit. And I was like, just make her this. So I was given like bar lessons at a bar I don't even work at. It was fantastic. That's funny. So here we are. I'm still a bartender yeah. at heart. Even well, of course. Days. Yeah. I'll always be a bartender at heart, even like doing this or anything else. So, yeah. But tonight, I, I'm going to kind of jump into this one. And, and I want to make this really, really clear up front. So, normally, we do not put as much um, fluff, I guess, into a case. We don't put as many um, details. So, this one, because of the nature of it and just the amount of different routes that this case takes and a lot of things Mm. to unpack and the questions and the things just 
I mean, right. it just kept coming and coming and coming. You know, we well, I mean, it's like hours. what 20, 20, 30 years, no, 20 years, 28 now. years, 28 years? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we comment. decided to do this one. This is gonna be a little bit of a longer show, probably. Um, because we have a lot of here. quotes to go through, <clears throat> multiple interviews throughout the years. So, and we like even smallest of details are important in this case. So, with that being said, we're just gonna. Like, oh, let's fall down this uh, cocktail and cheese rabbit hole together because yes. that's really, really mm -hmm. what it is. Um, and we're talking about Mary Jacqueline Levitz, or Jackie, as she was known to most. Um, Got a picture she, over there. Beautiful woman. Mm -hmm, beautiful very woman. beautiful. <clears throat> um. Mary Jacqueline Levitz was born February the 2nd of 1933 uh, as Mary Jacqueline Broadway in Louisiana, about 50 miles northwest of Vicksburg, Mississippi. She is one of nine children that were reared on a cotton farm. Born at home, comes from a cotton farming family. Uh, they were sharecroppers, not, you know, not a silver spoon in her mouth. Um, mm -hmm. Levitz, who started life super humble became a, a very big success uh, and made a fortune of her own. And this woman's life really does. I mean, Jackie's life reads like a true Danielle Steele novel. Okay. Really? She, it does. Truly. I mean, you know, like it, she's the poor girl. She's super ambitious, moves to a big city, gets married, divorced, widowed, uh, vows to make it on her own. She, you know, she's going to build this empire. She does. She gets into buying uh, houses and flipping them and reselling real estate. So she just like earns her own diamonds and her own furs. And so then she ends up with a Rolls Royce with the front plate that reads spoiled rotten. Um, yeah, she's spoiling herself. You she know? did. She very yeah. much did. She liked her cars expensive and white. Mm -hmm. Her hats big and trimmed. Her clothes snug and pricey. And you know what? She made an empire where she could afford these things. She was said to be in before she started getting married and all these things, um, after her death of one of her husbands, she'd already amassed over a $5 million empire by herself. That's super important to remember this. Oh, no. Poor James. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more important. I'm more fun. Right. Can't wait to see what that tattoo looks like. <laughs> right? Pay attention so, to the lines. <laughs> um, Jacqueline anyway. meets, you know, remember, she's amassed her own fortune, right? So then she meets Ralph Levitz, the co-founder of the You're Gonna Love It at Levitz furniture chain. Yeah, I actually uh, tried to find a picture of him and there wasn't many, but there's um, not very many. Found a few of his signs. This is like the early, earlier days here. Oh, come on, load. Levitz furniture way back yeah. in the day. You're gonna love and it, Levitz. We had them out here in California, pretty much all over the country. They were pretty well known. Well, I think they started um, in like, like Pennsylvania, the 80s, the but they were yeah. like, they just they blew up in the out. 80s. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so she meets, so Jacqueline Levitz, or Jacqueline, uh, I guess at the time she was Smith then. She, she had quite yeah, a few names yeah. throughout the years. Mm -hmm. um, I lost but track she of her meets, names. I know, right? She um she marries and meets or she meets and marries Ralph Levitz, the furniture king. Mm -hmm. Um, she would be fresh off he would be fresh off a of divorce number five from wife number five. Yeah. Um, she actually met Ralph when she went to 
some benefit or charity event or something of that nature. And she told him that she bought a lot of Levitt's furniture in her business. So he invites her to decorate his new mansion on South Ocean Boulevard, which is like the dream of dreams. Mm. Um, and he told her to do it up as if she was going to live there herself. By the time she finished, she was living there. So in 1987, she marries Ralph in a lavish ceremony with 10 bridesmaids and moves permanently into this Palm Beach and mansion actually, that she had already decorated. I actually have a video of, of their wedding. Do you want to see Do that? you? Yep. Where we um, found that. And uh, this should be interesting. Jackie Lovitz, as they say, married well. Levitz was a long way from her roots in rural Louisiana. Oh, she yeah. made her own fortune in the stock market mm -hmm. before she became the wife of the much older furniture store magnate, Ralph Levitz. Her gowns and her jewelry and everything was so elaborate, sometimes they would have a bodyguard go with them. It was a life of glitz and glamour in Palm Beach, Florida. How so? But once the billionaire oh typhoon God, passed insane. away, Jackie Levitz was through with high society jet setting. She returned to the deep south to be with family. She never forgot really her, her roots and her family. And what's so crazy and in all of this uh, existence with, with mm. her is, you know, a lot of people say, oh, she had to have married for money. But she didn't. She had her own mm. empire. Ralph Levitz was 20 Literally, years old. Literally, she had her own empire already going yes. you know i mean she was known in dc in the washington state area i don't know I'm not sure what that comment means alex hey buddy hey look uh when you get a chance i need you to hop on here on restream with us i want to talk to you um and i've been listening you guys are awesome i love y'all those are my friends over at full send off-road uh podcast yeah, that's right so we're gonna we're gonna shake some stuff up for them soon yeah, so you guys anybody viewing Watch for that because we're gonna we're gonna make some things happen. Um, anyway, back to Miss Levitz. Yeah, so she ends up now. This is what's so crazy. People were like, "Oh, I don't know what she saw in him," because apparently, to hear everybody tell it, this man was uh, hard to deal with, super complicated, kind of an asshole. I mean, he's on mm. he's coming off a of divorce number five when he meets her. He's twenty years Jackie senior. Um. And, you know, people were like, he was more than complicated on a good day. But nonetheless, I mean, she was, no one ever doubted her devotion. This woman stayed right. by his side. Ralph ended up uh, having a stroke, had major health problems, and ended up passing away, um, you know, a few years later. But after they are wed, Jacqueline quickly becomes busy uh, in the benefit circuit in Palm Beach. She's raising money for the Heart Association, Mental Health mm. Association, local opera she company. Busy. She worked. I mean, uh, she personally would go get her hands dirty working shelters for battered oh yeah. women, abused children. Um, very well known. Her, 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 like notoriety, her fame of who she was to kind of help the community. So she did. She mm -hmm. was very much. I mean very involved not only in just like what you would call like high society charities but i mean she would get out and get her hands dirty she would go on her own construction sites when she would be flipping a house and you know when she would go to these charity events she would go into orphanages there's, there's something from a charity event and that bob mackie gown is stunning right by the way and she was just stunning overall one of those people that 
you wonder why there aren't more of them on the earth. Why isn't yes. there an army of her just self-made, independent, amazing, always willing to jump in and help, you know, different yeah. things. So and yeah, over she was this really the way that people person. spoke of Jackie. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, so <laughs> one of her, um, one of her friends who is a Palm Beach jeweler, uh, Adele Kahn is quoted as saying, she may not have been blue blood society, but she was certainly cafe society. Uh, her style tended to be rather flashy, lots of gold, cleavage, jewelry. Everything in her house was always in perfect order. She was far from like that genteel old money crowd right. that you would see. Jackie was very edgy. Yeah, um, nothing wrong with that though. Still like holding her identity even into her mm. marriage with Ralph Levitz. Um, but Jackie ends up becoming what is known as the glamorous widow of 82-year-old Ralph Levitz when he passes away in March of 1995, um, leaving her to inherit over $15 million in his estate. So she gets mm. his whole estate. Remember, he's been married five times. He has kids and grandkids and all this. And he leaves everything. Everything to Jackie. She was dedicated to this man. She was actually uh, drove herself to exhaustion. Was hospitalized, just taking care of him from exhaustion. Mm -hmm. She would pass out and collapse from not eating, not sleeping, staying by yeah. his side. He had multiple strokes. Um, when ribbon cutting from one of the Levitt stores. Yes, um, but mm -hmm. you know what though? Of course, there's always something. Ralph wasn't Jackie's first husband, and it wasn't mm -hmm. the first husband that she buried. So, in 1969, 18 years before she married the furniture king, Ralph Levitz, she was living in Waldorf, Maryland. And she was married to Banks Smitty Smith, who passed away at the age of 46 from a heart attack. Um, now, he owned a few steakhouses called Smitty's. Now, Jackie met him after she had taken a job at a, as a hostess at one of his steakhouses. Um. But you know what? That wasn't the only two marriages under Miss Levitt's belt, though. She told everyone that she was married twice and widowed twice and had no intentions and was certainly never intending to get married again. What most people didn't know, though, Jackie was actually married before Smith, a marriage she didn't claim publicly. She never spoke of to a man named Walter Bolton Jr. Bolton was 14 years her senior. He met Jackie in Beaumont, Texas, where she moved from Louisiana after high school to live with her older sister while she went to a business college out there for secretarial work. Mm -hmm. The Boltons end up moving back to Alexandria, Louisiana in 1956, where Walter was president and treasurer of a dehumidifier manufacturing firm. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, they ended up having a son, Walter Bolton III, who was born in 1959. The Boltons divorced in 1962. Now, Walter Bolton has gone on to state, we split up for a very simple reason. I had a business reversal. I went broke. She found another guy. He had money. Smith had his restaurant in Waldorf with slot machines, and she liked him better. So wow. I mean, I mean, he's I, just blunt about. But it. I have to say though, like, what a dirty comment. I mean, she had her own money, so why would you say something like that? That's exactly. Bizarre. So, like, he painted her out to be. But now the divorce between uh, Walter and Jackie was completely amicable. She retained sole custody of their son. 
And according to her family, Jackie was the sole supporter uh, with no help from Walter. He, he, there was no help from him. He didn't financially support or provide anything. Um, right. So Levitz becomes known, you know, she's this 61 year old, blonde haired, curly haired woman just tooling around in her cream colored Jaguar convertible, dishing out the inside story on Burt Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson wearing fur soles and diamonds in the small town of Vicksburg, Mississippi where she decides to move after her third and final husband's death. So Ralph Levitz passed away. And after watching him struggle with his health and spending all these years by her ailing husband and taking care of him, she starts to tell friends that and siblings that she really wants to move closer to her family. Um, mm -hmm. She said in the last years of nursing Ralph, it really made her see and realize that, you know, being around people who really loved and cared for you was way more important than the money. Um, so basically, even though Jackie Damascus sent her, she says, money's not the most important thing. I want to be with my family. I want to be close to people that I love. So basically to her, the Palm Beach social circle where she had become this matriarch, she's just done with it. It has no appeal to her anymore. Mm. Um, so she returned to Palm Beach long enough for Ralph's funeral. She changed her unlisted phone number to avoid all the charity appeals to another unlisted number. She puts their seaside mansion on Ocean Avenue, um, puts it up on the market. She's done. She wants, you know, she's going to keep their condo uh, just in case she decides that she would like to come back and visit friends that she has there. But as far as living there, she's done. She moves the items that she wanted to keep from their seaside mansion into her condo. So you have to remember this couldn't be very many items, you know, no. basically sells everything. She says, I'm done with this, this crazy way of living. It's, it's just too much. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and she left Palm beach with a few of her designer items and decides she's going to start a new. Uh, so she decides out of nowhere, she's going to settle in Vicksburg, Mississippi. 20 minutes from her sister Tiki Shivers, about an hour from Jerry and her brothers Joe and Sonny. Um, and she looked at pretty much every house on the market in Vicksburg, including the one of the most pretentious rebuilt Annabella mansions in the city. Yeah. Um, and she ended up settling after all this. Remember, this woman is now inherited 15 million, she's worth five million on her own. So she's like $20 million. She settles on a brick house with a view. That's all she cared about was her view. Um, right. And so this house is located at 15 Riverwood Circle. John. So the, the sellers are John and Betty Moody. Um, and they, they said that she came in to look at the home and she just fell in love with this uh, 2,900 square foot ranch style home. Paid cash, $250,000. Um, and took the title to the house, which would be her 28th home. So remember, once again, she's amassed her empire. She has bought right. in the 90s. Mm -hmm. This woman has bought 28 mm -hmm. homes and sold them. You know, Jeez. she's it's not shabby. Yeah. No, not um, at all. But she, she takes possession of the title of this house October the 13th of 1995. She had, in the words of her sister, she had big plans. Leopard print and prayers. 
Mm-hmm. Like this woman was yeah. like, you know, apparently even with the money and, you know, having family that didn't have the amount of money, she didn't look down on anybody. She didn't act better than anybody. Um, so no, Jack- and I mean, in the video we just played, you saw her kind of like, you know, sashaying around the house. She just seems silly and fun and not somebody that would look down her nose. So just, exactly. You know, not and, anything, anybody that someone would want to harm, you know? No. And that's the thing. So she moves into her Riverwood Circle home, little small cluster of homes on the bluff, beautiful view of the river um, and a Waffle House sign. But she can mm. see the river. She said she could see the the train trestles on the bridge and she could see the river. And that's all she cared about. She wanted to watch the, the river boats come down and go up. And, mm. and that's all she wanted. That's how she wanted to spend her life. So she decides that she's going to renovate this whole house. She's going to take it from 2,900 square feet to 7,000 square feet. Wow. Um. But now she moves into this house with nothing but a new bed, a table and a chair that she borrowed from her sister Tiki, mm-hmm. a closet full of clothes and furs, a small empty refrigerator, but a well-stocked liquor cabinet. I feel like we'd have been my kind of lady right there. Would have been friends, <laughs> definitely. Right, exactly. Would have been good friends. Uh, her sister Tiki says that Jackie told her, I'm just camping out and I love it. So she really embraced the simplicity of this move and the no fast living. Um, And so she tells Betty Moody, the woman that she bought the house from, she plans to gut the entire house and anything they actually still wanted out of the house, they could just have. Come and get it. They could have it. Um, Hmm. And Betty says in her interviews, they became friends, like very quickly became friends. They spoke every day. Moody told Jackie about there was a hidden safe in the house. Well, as they're gutting it, it's not hidden anymore. So she tells her, hey, you know, there's a safe in the house. um, And warned her about the searchlights from the riverboats coming down that would scare you if you didn't know they were there. Because they would shine in your window. Mm. Um, They just, they made conversation as friends with. They didn't, wasn't forced. It wasn't like. Yeah, just a really good bond. "Mm, Yeah, mm mm-hmm. No, I mean, they, mm. they became friends very quickly. Mm. Um, and so, in all of that, Levitz would go share her National Enquirer magazines and Aww. dish gossip on celebrities that she had met and wined and dined with. And mm. she, you know, she used to call Burt Reynolds um, high class redneck trash. You know, she just, <laughs> she was friends. They were friends with Burt Reynolds and Lonnie and, and, so mm. she would just dish on the cool things that she's got to do, but she never looked down on anybody. It was like cool stories for her to tell. Mm. And Betty stated that um, Jackie told her, you know what? I was just really tired of Palm Beach uh, where we had to, you know, wear these designer dresses all the time and jewelry nonstop. And, you know, if you don't have 30 formals in your closet, then you're nothing. You're nobody. Um, yeah. And Betty went on to say that, Jackie was adapting to this new lifestyle. She wore leggings and oversized sweaters and ankle boots and her hair is always pushed back in a headband and she told Describing my everyday outfit. No, I was going to say, it's literally (laughs) what I do every day. But apparently she told Moody she felt like she was hiding out in a small town. Hmm. 
that comment has always stuck with me. Yeah, we will. We we're gonna we're gonna go into that like at the end because I just feel like I want to hear the rest of the story. Then we'll go back because remember that comment. Maybe anybody that's listening can remember that comment and chat us towards the end because I think it makes mm-hmm. um, makes for a, a big theory here. So anyway, so but then all of the other neighbors start to meet Jackie. And they all just, they speak super highly of her. Um, they said she talked to everyone like she had just known them her whole life, you know. Didn't meet a stranger. She was outgoing, compassionate, mm-hmm. down to earth. Made friends with anyone and everyone. Um, one next door neighbor who I believe lived across the street from them, John Gradick, stated in an interview that she was the type of person who cared for everyone more than anybody had ever seen uh mm-hmm. said she had a big place in her heart she expressed and shared that you know she was very close to the cause for battered women and abused children mm-hmm. and she was actually super supportive of these institutions in florida and she was interested in actually getting into that and doing the same thing here possibly mm-hmm. opening it you know possibly opening a shelter well, um, she had different things i mean she had plans these are things mm-hmm. that she really wanted to do so, despite the amassed amount of wealth um, that Gradick knew that she had, he said that she was just blending into the neighborhood. Um, him and his wife actually took her a bouquet of flowers when they Aww. moved in to welcome her to the neighborhood. And she acted like she invited him inside. Come in, let's have a glass of wine. You know, um, and they're just lifelong friends. Like, wow, they'd been That's friends awesome. forever. And... As the, I guess, you know, a couple of days of living there or whatever, Mary, um, Mary Gradick invites her to a Mary Kay makeup party. Now, I don't know if a lot of people know who Mary Kay is. If you don't, I do. You're probably yeah. too young to be here. But let me exactly. This woman <laughs> is high society. She's wearing fucking Chanel and Bob right, Mackie. Yeah. This woman's not buying Mary Kay and Avon. Okay, but she gets invited to a Mary Kay party by the neighbor. And so she goes and Mary Gradick said she came in and threw that mink stole over the back of my chair like it was a three dollar sweater. She bought one hundred and twenty dollars in products at the party. Cleansers, perfumes, creams Um, said she liked to have a different perfume for every day of the week. God, I wish. <laughs> now, her friends from Florida were like, Jackie would have never worn Mary Kay or used it. But she would be the type to purchase them to help someone out. And her Ooh. friend also, Doris Shell, said uh, she just wanted to be helpful. And if she, if they'd have been a Tupperware party, she would have been there too and bought bowls that she would have never used. That's just Probably. who she was. So that tells you, you know, she was like, yeah, I'll come to your Mary Kay party. I don't know any of these people, but why not? Let me throw on my leggings and my mink stole. <laughs> right. You know, um, but Levitt told everyone, even at the party, that she'd planned to double the size of her home to around 7,000 square feet. She wanted to have room um, for all of her family and friends in hope that, you know, as they aged, they would live with her. Or, you know, they want, she wanted to be comfortable and she wanted to have these big, 
Thanksgivings and Christmases mm-hmm. and just huge family events. She's very, very family oriented. That is the main thing to remember. Um, mm-hmm. She told everybody it was going to have these big leather recliners where her two brother-in-laws could watch TV. She was going to turn John Moody's shop into a master suite for herself with a separate kitchen. She wanted wow. leopard print That's- wallpaper and had already ordered leopard print sinks. Oh my God, we would have been best friends. <laughs> she was setting aside <laughs> two bedrooms. Look, girl, mm. I'm, I don't want her decorating my house. My house, when we yeah. moved in, I peeled a piece of, there was snake skin print wallpaper. Okay, that's it's a little orange weird. and blue. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, my house was built in the 70s, man. They were fucking wild back yeah. then. Yeah. Um, but she said that she was going to have, um, she was setting a couple of rooms aside to have child size custom built furniture. The girls' rooms were going to have these canopy beds, and the boys were going to have like a full sports theme. But the kids were getting their own separate living room. Her nieces oh. and nephews were going to live in the life of luxury with her. They were mm. going to have their own separate living room decked out with child size couches, recliners, love seats, but, television. But listen, I kind of don't blame her. I, I wouldn't want to share the living room. Right, right me too. But I, I wouldn't. I don't like to share the living room with my own kids. <laughs> Let them have their own living room. That, right, know. if I can afford it. Fuck yeah. Yeah, makes sense. So then she's, um, you know, she's got contractors. They're digging a kidney-shaped pool that's going to have a jacuzzi and waterfalls. The cover, the bottom is going to be covered in glow and dark paint. Oh, and you are literally going to be able to see this from, like, the Mississippi River Bridge. So, like, wow. she was ostentatious but funny about it. Like, she's going to have this obnoxiously, like, painted pool but it's gonna be fun you know um so but she only interviewed because she believed in keeping their money local so she only interviewed local contractors to to take on this ginormous remember she paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars for this house Mm -hmm. these renovations are costing about six hundred thousand oh wow yeah so and she's only hiring she's only meeting with these local small contractors. Now you would think this is a woman who's like, I know everybody in all these social circles. I'm going to call blah, 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 blah. No, she says, I want to keep the money here. I want to help the local people out. And, and, and that 600,000 is a big project. They it's need another, this. it's another one of those, um, like we're talking about They're just who she is, her character overall, yes. you know, such an amazing person to try and keep the money in the local area, you know, and really just, assist her new community so yeah everything that she purchased for the remodel she purchased from uh the local supply and hardware stores she did not order import i mean she yeah, bought everything that. right everything there was local yeah Every, everything was local mm-hmm. um but she now she did tell these contractors up front like don't try to screw me around i will ruin mm-hmm. you in a heartbeat and i can't mm-hmm. so she didn't pull any punches but now the thing was that she really just wanted things done right. Um, and she wanted them dedicated to her project and nothing else. I mean, she really wanted these people right. to put forth the $600,000 of my money. You better put forth your best fucking foot. Mm-hmm. Um, but now she ended up settling on a really young, small, up and coming mm-hmm, construction firm, yeah. firm called Built Right. They're still in business to this day, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but the joke was that they started their morning 
at 7.30 a.m. every single day with a prayer. And it was a prayer circle with all the construction guys. Dear Lord, let it not rain so we can get a lot of work done for Miss Jackie. <laughs> now, apparently, <laughs> yeah, this was actually funny. a joke because Jackie Levitz, uh, um, apparently from what the construction workers have said, pampered these construction workers right. um, and the workmen that she hired. She brought them donuts and breakfast every day, coffee in the morning, beverages throughout the day, sat down with them, put on her hard hat and would go do demolition with them, made jokes. She was very friendly with everyone. She wasn't like, oh, I'm your boss. She was very much like, you know what? You're going to be working in my home. Let's be friends. And, right. I mean, yeah, she would sense. she would cook them breakfast or buy them breakfast every Every day. It, it they never had to worry. Like if, you, if you do something like that, you less likely have, you know, bad work or to be ripped off or, you know, you really just build a bridge with people working for you. So. Um, now, however, as kind as she was to, you know, everyone and everything, she wanted to even tell construction workers, when my house is done and we have these parties, bring your family, bring your kids. We're going to have a pool. So she mm. just wanted to fill her home with laughter mm. and and family and friends and people that, you know, she just wanted to make everybody's day better and brighter. Um, but sadly, that time would never come for her. No. Because on the morning of November 20th, 1995, just a mere eight months after the passing of her husband, Ralph Levitz, um, her brother-in-law, James Earl Shivers, would make a grim discovery that would forever change everyone who knew and loved Jackie's worlds. Um, unfortunately, Tiki Shivers wakes up and says, man, she's not answering the phone. So she asks her husband, hey, do you mind going across the river from Tallulah, which is about 20, 25 minutes, um, can you go check on her? She's not answering the phone and I haven't spoken to her since, you know, like the day before. It's just not like her. So on Monday, James Earl goes over there and uh, when he approached the house, he immediately noticed that Jackie's cream colored convertible Jaguar was still parked out front, but the front door to the house was unlocked and when he stepped inside, he knew he needed to call the police. Um, he saw signs of what authorities would later call a very violent struggle. Um, Martin Pace, who was actually an investigator on the case, who would later become the sheriff of Warren County and still hold that title to this day, actually was kind enough to speak with us or speak with me a little bit. Um, and he obviously was there that day, so he was able to tell a little bit of the details and he said the house appeared to have been ransacked um, when they turned over. So the mattress was flipped over with no sheets on it. When they turned the mattress over in the bedroom, it was soaked in blood that would later be identified as the same blood type as Jackie. Um, mm. There was blood on the carpet. There was damage to the closet door um, and there were bright red false fingernails broken like, and lying around indicating that indeed there was certainly a struggle. Um, and he still to this day says, I will not give out many specifics about this, about the I missing heiress, because even 28 years later, this is an open case for him, not a cold case. Right. Um, so, so let's back up for a minute, kind of clarify for the viewers. 
bottom line is brother-in-law finds this gruesome scene, but what he does not find is a body. Exactly. So now the heiress is now missing. So, and, and so what Tiki shivers noticed for her was that there was a pair of Jackie's $3,000 diamond earrings on the windowsill a small TV left on and a chair sitting in front of it. The only items that appeared to be missing at all in all of this was her purse and a makeup bag that Tiki, she Tiki Shevers referred to as Jackie's first aid kit. Um, nothing mm. is missing from the house, including over $500,000 in jewelry, over $200,000 in fur coats, mink stoles um nothing is nothing is is missing nothing was stolen nothing was taken but there's nobody there's blood and this turns into the fbi has gotten involved the vicksburg police department warren county sheriff's department starts this lengthy investigation and it becomes a nationwide manhunt mm. for jackie um and it it's fruitless even after all these years later the disappearance of her these agencies are still holding routine meetings discussing things about this case and mm. in a 2008 interview um pace who is the sheriff of warren county um said that there's recently been dna testing on case evidence that wasn't available in 1995 mm -hmm. and he right. is quoted as saying there are some evidentiary issues that we are in a much better position now to help solve this case. And he believes to this day, this is a solvable case. Um, mm -hmm. But Sheriff Pace recounts in our conversation, the initial investigation, um, you know, we've learned that they used ground crews, cadaver dogs, search team, like search dog teams, mm -hmm. hundreds of man hours spent on foot. Um, everybody in the community came together and they're out on foot day in and day out just searching for any trace of this woman um but the most intense part of that is that to this day her body has never been, found. been found there was no hits by the cadaver dogs there was no hit by the search dogs um national and international media outlets reported on this case um it was front page news in the Miami Herald, mm. the Washington Post, the right. New York Times, here, yeah. uh, the Los Angeles. Uh, the, one of the things I found strange is a lot of those newspapers, when I pulled them up, they all had a very similar, um, you know, title here. Socialized life, a mystery in itself. So yes, kind of strange. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so what we know, now, um, which is known as the last known sighting of Jackie, which was November the 18th of 1995. She went to Mid-South Lumber and Supply on Highway 61. She bought materials there for the renovations. Now, James Burnett was a store owner in Vicksburg that used to sell paint and wallpaper. It was like a mm. small mom and pop hardware store, you know, but he sold wallpaper and paint that was his thing mm -hmm. um and he said that he his wife and his daughter saw levitts around 4 30 p.m that day 
before she was reported missing. Um, he said that she came in and she was looking at samples and was inquiring about leopard print wallpaper. Right. Um, yeah. However, Burnett later remembered something else, um, something that his employees told him that they saw Jackie come in a week before she went missing with a man in a pickup truck bought a bar she bought a barbecue grill paid for it with cash nobody knows this man nobody has seen this man since i wondered about that i had a lot of theories on that mm -hmm. but you know a neighbor <clears throat> who was interviewed by the authorities mm -hmm. said that he saw the 62 year old socialite as she entered her house around 4 30 or 5 p.m on november 18th while he was outside I don't know what he was doing, but he was outside. He saw her. He waved at her. Mm. Um, and friends and people that were getting to know Jackie said that except for like a weekend, you know, adventure with her sisters to the casinos for like dinner and gambling, she rarely left home. She would tell them, mm. I'm, this is a hands-on operation in my house. I put my hard hat on. I get my hands dirty. Just like the crew, I don't have time. To go out and do all these things during the day. So she really just stayed home and she worked on her house. That's what she did. Nothing wrong with that. Um, now, as the investigation goes on, the police question about 25 subcontractors who were working on her house. Um, and it was discovered later on that Jackie had fired a couple of workmen, but she had no enemies even after that. They spoke very highly of her and were like, I mean, we screwed up. Hmm. She let us go. Like, they had nothing negative. They were not hostile. They didn't exert any hostility about being let go from a project. Um, mm -hmm. They've investigated the possibility that maybe some of her acquaintances in Florida or elsewhere might have wanted to have her harmed and not a single name or bad words ever been said in any of the interviews with people that they've tracked down from her past. Um, now, one of the detectives on the case, Officer Barrett, says our department at the time, this was in 1995, um, he said our department has solved every single homicide it has ever handled, and he is extremely obsessed with solving this one as well. Um, and to this day, this man is still just as baffled. He is no longer with the Vicksburg Police Department, um, but he's still very much involved and keeps up with this with this case. In case, yeah. Now, Barrett listed a lot of different theories um, whenever he gave interviews and spoke about this case years later. Um, he, you know, one of his theories was that whoever attacked or and abducted Jackie was already in the house when she returned home um, from the supply store that day. And because work was being done mm -hmm. in the attic, an intruder wouldn't have to break in. Right. Um, the lights were off in the house that suggested she may have been attacked before it got dark. Uh, mm -hmm. A TV was on in the bedroom and a chair in front of the TV. Her earrings and drinks sitting on the windowsill, which makes Barrett think that Levitz came home, got comfortable in front of the TV, kicked her feet up, and was attacked possibly by someone hiding in the closet, which may have been why there was damage to the closet door. Um, Very he, he does speculate due to the amount of blood that he believes possibly her throat was cut. Mm, yep. 
It would it would bleed, bleed heavily at that point, yeah. Exactly. Now, her sister, when she's looking around the place, says that the biggest thing that stands out for her is the glass on the window seal and her earrings being out of place. Because she said Jackie was very particular about things being put away. So if mm -hmm. she had finished her glass of water, she would have taken her cup and she would have washed it and put it away. Her earrings would have gone in her jewelry box. They would have never been left out. So she was very, right. very particular about everything it's, being yeah. in, in its place. Mm -hmm. right. um, now, Moody, who, like I said, had become friends with Jackie, um, kind of supplied her own theory in interviews. And she said, you know, it has to be an enemy from her past that wanted to harm her from Florida or maybe even Southern California. Um, her other theory Welcome, is that, well, and you know, there's a lot of this because Moody's other theory is that perhaps one of the workers on the house maybe misread Jackie's warmth and kindness, you know, bringing them breakfast and the beverages mm. throughout the day. Maybe he misread that as a sign, came into the house, forced himself upon her and realized what he had done and killed her and disposed of the body. Very possible. Yep. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like um, it was someone that was angry. Um, they were, they were angered at her, nothing to do with um, like her past maybe, but. Um, well, and early know. on. So even early on in the investigation, authorities actually picked up two drifters who had worked for a little while um, at the Levitt's home mm -hmm. one of them has a burglary conviction on his record mm -hmm. however they were released 24 hours after due to lack of evidence Barrett says that they were re-questioned and it turned up nothing um, and then as time goes on a psychic calls in very early on in the investigation and reports mm -hmm. a vision of Levitt's body uh, in a barn filled with tireless tractors near a Louisiana roadside. You know how many barns there are in North Louisiana? Right. right. Um, but authorities did manage. They, they went and checked multiple barns and they checked it out and it obviously produced nothing. No signs of Jackie. No hits from the dogs. Nothing. Um, then a local citizen calls in and says, hey, can I help? I know the river. I know this area really well. Let me scour the riverbanks. Um, you know, mm -hmm. let me let me see if maybe I can be of, of assistance of some kind. You know, like right, possibly. I, get it, yeah. I mean, at this point, so somebody um, just helping out because they know the area very well. You know, yeah. And so, like, they're like, hey, maybe we can come up with something. Barrett's mm -hmm. like, you know what? I accepted the offer. Um, <laughs> Because at this point, we feel helpless, and right. turning down an offer is just not an option. So mm -hmm. then, you know, it goes on. Obviously, nothing turns up. This civilian spends weeks scouring up and down the riverbank. Mm. Nothing. Um, Barrett's like, you know, I've worked a lot of cases, and every one of them, if they murdered somebody, robbed, raped, or killed them, you still got a body. Because if right. they don't, and if they don't leave a body and they dump it, they end up confessing and leading you to it or telling you where it you is. You eventually find a body. You know, there's something, but this Nothing. this one, it's like she just disappeared. Now, a neighbor's son, who was visiting from out of state, reported that he was outside walking the dog, 
smoking a cigarette uh, the night that Jacqueline disappeared and that he heard a vehicle start behind the high wall of her home. He couldn't identify the vehicle, but he said this was between 10 and 11 p.m. on the night of the 18th. Hmm. Yeah. So from the beginning of all of this, theories have been all over the place. And I promise you, even here at Cocktails and Crime, we have theories for days. Questions mm. for days. Oh, yeah. Yep. The Shivers, you know, her family, Tiki and, and her husband, have mm. their own theory as well. Um, Tiki believes that someone in the Vicksburg area followed her home, knocked on the door. Things got out of hand, whether they ended up planning to whether they were trying to rob her or force themselves upon her whatever they were trying to do um it got out of hand and she ended up abducted and dead and tiki shivers firmly believes that this is local this is most definitely not someone from her past um because she'd only been in town for five weeks no one from her right. past yeah. associates knew where, where she was, was. So it mm -hmm. had to be someone that saw a crime of opportunity. Not, mm -hmm. you know, that that's Tiki Shivers theory. Um, mm -hmm. There have been ever, there have been thousands, thousands right. of mm -hmm. leads in this case. All of them dead end. Not a lead left un right. un unchecked, but all of them dead end. Um, relatives have gone on their own avenues trying to find out what happened to Jackie. They've hired their own private investigators. Mm -hmm. They've gone as far as consulting their own private psychic uh, investigators and psychic mediums. Mm -hmm. The family put out a $200,000 reward for information leading to the body right. and anything to help solve the case. Nothing. $200,000 in 1995 is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Somebody, somebody would have come forward. And I, you would think. I mean, $200,000? It very well could be someone that's local. And um, I think that her sister's right. So something got out of hand. Something completely got out of hand. It could have been over the particular land she was, you know, building on, whatever. Um, a neighbor. Somebody didn't like all the hammering. Who knows? Uh, it could be I mean, one really? of the construction workers. But the reality was, I don't believe it was someone from far away that came there and, you know, it was someone from the area. And that's why they I've always speaking. believed that it's someone from the area. But mm -hmm. I also have another theory that we're going to get into in a little while. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, Detective Barrett has since retired and he was kind enough to speak about the case. Um, and he, he fully says, I wish that this case had been solved when I was there. I wish I could have stayed on longer and solved the case myself. He still to right. this day believes it is a solvable case. Uh, I think so. I mean, Sheriff Pace very much believes in not giving up. And he still talks to the family. They've, they've been in contact. They stay in contact. Um, and they're still working this case. The two boxes of things that they do have that are solid and concrete still sit on the file cabinet of Sheriff Pace's office. And they, they've put new detectives on it. They've put new um, eyes on it. In 2000, and I think it was 2010, um, they reopened again and was like a whole new set of 
officers from mm. the sheriff's department, police department, FBI, and they're like, they've gone as far um, combing every detail, every file. They've gone as far as interviewing people from Missouri to Atlanta, Florida, California. Nothing new. Um, mm. Evidence has been sent to several, several crime labs to be tested and retested. That includes the DNA evidence. Right. Um, and even to this day, every so often, um, the phone at the Vicksburg Police Department will ring. And it's somebody, usually a psychic or sometimes just someone who claims to have this innate right. gift for things, telling the officers uh, they had a Jackie Levitt's, you know, mm -hmm. vision. Um, right. Now, Lieutenant Brown of the Vicksburg Police Department says he's, you know, just not a believer because none of these visions have come to produce anything. But he is a patient man who listens and he wants to find out what came to be of the, you know, 62 year old heiress. But he said that about seven years after this started, they had had hundreds of calls from people claiming to have had these visions. And, you know, they see a large body of water and she's in it or near it. Well, yeah, she lived on the banks of the Mississippi. That'd be like if you lived in Arizona and somebody said they threw you in the fucking Grand Canyon. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. You know? I mean, it's possible. So, the, I mean, the river runs the directly case, through the city. Like, I, if that's the case, my, and, I, and I've thought about this because I've read all of that as well. My first thought is somebody was trying to ruin evidence. Um, if she's in the water, they were trying to dispose of or cover evidence, oh, most course. likely due to a rape, is what I'm thinking. Because well, they left her blood, they left the whole mess. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't about clean that. up anything, and they didn't. But take they anything. needed to get rid of that body, and for what reason? Probably due to rape, because exactly. it's direct DNA, and so. It very well could have been a worker. It could have been anybody in that local area. Um, she was a beautiful woman, very flashy. Always had cleavage, you know, cute outfits. Not that that is a reason to to rape someone. Of course. But to a predator, that might catch their attention. Well, and the and thing so, is, you know, they're, like Lieutenant Brown says, saying that the river, you know, this is a river that's over a mile wide, Okay. And saying mm. that this played a part in her disappearance says nothing, though. It gets no one, no, it, it gets doesn't. you no closer. Um, mm -hmm. The river is too deep for them to dredge, and a body would most definitely float up. Mm. Um, but the chances of a body actually making it to the Gulf is probably only about 10 to 20 percent. Yeah, um, pretty because you, mm -mm. It's, it's, a, it's a hike to the, to the Gulf. So this body would have washed up on the shore somewhere. Right. Um, it would have floated up. Somebody would have seen it. There are constantly, you know, and I, I know this for a fact. I know how many boats go through there every single day. Um, now, this is really fucking wild. This shit gets crazy. So Barbara Norcross, who is a Florida psychic, who said, mm. you know, she, she counted Jackie as not only a client, but a friend, and says that she has a vision that it was two killers. And I had, that, I had that impression as well for some reason. I don't remember why. When I first started reading on this, I, I had this thought there were two people, but well, one to subdue her and hold her down. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would make sense. But now she tells the tabloid, the National Enquirer, 
the men raped and killed Levitz at the direction of a former business associate. And she actually went as far to provide a sketch of one of the killers. Mm. Um, and she said that the body was dumped in the river. Now, I couldn't find that sketch. I looked. Yeah, I never saw it. I couldn't like find it. Um, I, and you know what? I may have looked over it because this was a really crazy. I We spent, I don't even want to know how many hours we have in this. Um, but right. later on in this crazy, bizarre twist, Norcross filed a federal suit that suggested the Levitt's family was actually involved in Jackie's death. Now, she would later state that and maintain that her attorney just concocted this crazy set of allegations and mm -hmm. in the suit, which, of course, later was thrown out for being completely fucking baseless. But this woman, if your attorney concocted it, why the fuck did you go to court? Which she right. did, by the way. Yeah, that's kind so of, you don't, yeah. I, you lose a lot of credit and merit points with me uh, on on that. I'm not. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm -hmm. Now, other people who were close to Levitz from other areas, from our past, you know, have come up with their own theories, just as well as we have. Um, Moody swears to this day that whatever happened to Jackie was something from her past. Now. Here's the thing for me. Who would have gained from her disappearance? Guess what? No one. No one well, would have gained from this. There's some people that believed they would. Just saying. I don't know if you caught my note earlier today, but there were there was a family of several family members that actually believed that they would benefit. That was the the Broadways. She yes. had um, which, by the way, of, is her is her actual Maybe, family yeah which is um, really crazy right but they actually took her to court there's court documents yeah. um they, they didn't take her to court she was gone they took her estate to court because yes. you know which is so when now and she's only in vicksburg for five weeks she isn't even transferred her stuff over and technically become a legal resident of mm. the state of mississippi so at the time of her disappearance she is still technically a resident of the state of Florida. Now, in Florida, you have to be missing for five years before your family or whoever can petition the state to mm -hmm. declare you deceased so that they have access to your estate. Now, right. five years after her disappearance, Florida declares her deceased and they dispersed her estate. Of only about five to six million dollars, which is odd. But that again, math doesn't matter for me. I wonder if she had some debt in there. Um, I I'm, was I'm sure to, that there was some. I wasn't able to determine the the Broadway situation, how it ended. But um, I want to just give uh, you a quick answer that so the courts upheld. I know that so they, they got them, they so the state got back the house, right? So let's give a quick, quick little rundown of that. Basically, Jackie lent some family members in her family seventy thousand um, dollars. Just here you go. You want to buy this house? Her, I think it was her brothers. I think so. Um, and they did a promissory note. They executed a promissory note, and in the promissory note, it stated you would pay me. Um, back on that loan every month, you know, no interest, blah, 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 until it's paid off. You, I still own this house. Um, if you default, I own this house. But it was basically a way for them to 
own a home. So a um, couple weeks after she died, they had never, or she disappeared. We don't even know if she died or what's happened. But bottom line is they never paid a dime to her ever. No. So when the, the state came around, the estate, uh, you know, it said, hey, we need to dispose of this asset as well. And they said, no, no, it's ours. They even went on to tell a judge that, oh, before she disappeared, she told us we could just forget about the loan and it's all ours. Yeah, just no. And yeah. you know what, judging by the way that she was, I wouldn't say that that was out of the realm. Not of really. Possibilities, but for them to Possibly. get so nasty, to go uh, through the Court of Appeals, what, three times? Yep, three times, and they never, they never won, to my knowledge. I no, never saw the, they never, the final outcome. But the final look- outcome that I found was basically they were like, "Nah, you signed this note." Yeah, I, I was just reviewing the the court transcripts, and I just, you know, was seeing that. Yeah, they just kept going round and round. They wanted that, and to my knowledge, what, the description of of the it was like a little cabin on some land. It wasn't even. Uh, no, it was like hunting. Land. They were gonna like they were gonna have like hunting leases. Yeah, and it just wasn't anything spectacular. No, like it wasn't. Like, worth, I'm sorry, it wasn't worth them like acting like a bunch of shitheads over. Yeah, and what's um, so crazy is Florida. Now this enraged the family. Florida mm. made her sister Tiki and her son Walter the executors executors of her will. Mm. Now, according to the relatives, her son was in bad health. When he inherited his $4 million or so. Mm. Um, and he was physically thousands of miles away when she went missing. So they actually looked at him. There was like, the family was like, oh, what if her son did it? He was thousands of fucking miles yeah, away. No, thousands. He had, his alibi was tight. And so. he had actually asked um, his mother for like $3,500 a week or so before she went missing to buy a boat. Which she sent him. She apparently never told him no. He was very appreciative towards her, but mm. you know, in that sense, she was very much like, oh, no you, motive. Yeah, you know, There's you no want five thousand dollars to piss away? Here you go. Mm. Um, yeah, he definitely didn't have motive at all. No, no. motive to her. And from the whole, everybody loved her. She lit up a room. Let me tell you something. Anybody that describes me and says I light up a room, just know they killed me. Because everybody that <laughs> right. lights up rooms dies. <laughs> right. She was loved um, by I, Yeah. Again, though, I 100% believe there was rape involved. Um, because the reason is, if you killed someone clear and free, you just, you killed them. And, and you run away from the house. You have no witnesses. You leave the body there. Um, except when there's something that can trace you back. So either that person, well, I can't even say blood. Because if that person got cut, there was blood there. Nevertheless, the mattress was turned over. Remember, they found no sheets, no sheets. Yeah, to me, indicates rape. I think they wrapped her in a sheet and they took her. Yeah, but I think they raped her, beat her. Oh, absolutely. But where's Um, the body? Where's the trace? Where's something? That I I believe firmly it's in the Mississippi River. However, um, there's no, like the the one officer said, there's no way to get us closer to finding that as the answer. And you know what? We can't prove it as the answer. Whenever they're talking about, well, no one would want to hurt her. Well, clearly, judging by the blood in the scene, somebody fucking hurt her. Um, Yeah. But you know what? Mary Jacqueline Levitt's case is still open to this day and active. And she would now be 90 years old. 
So her sister Tiki says, I've accepted, I've mourned, I've accepted that my sister is probably never coming mm-hmm. home. And that is a horrible, horrible thing yeah, to think. Really. This, and even in the latest interviews with Tiki Shivers, she's like, you know, in our minds, she's still alive in our conversations. Um, but they've accepted that Jackie's never going to have back. a choice. Yeah. You just now, don't have a choice. Detectives and local police still very much keep things very close, not disclose too many details. Um, now, Lieutenant Brown of the Vicksburg Police Department said that these days he hopes that when he gets a call about the Levitt's case, that it's actually from a lab tech and not another mm. psychic with a vision, you know, involving oh, yeah. no, water. Right. Um, but you know what? I had a theory. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and we, I, I know this one may seem a little insane, but the okay. estate, let's, let's talk about the fact this woman, obviously she probably did have some debt. I'm not going to say that she didn't. Everybody that has money like that has a pretty immense amount of debt, but she inherited millions from her first husband who died. Mm-hmm. She inherited 15 to 20 million from Ralph's estate. She was mm-hmm. already worth five to seven million herself. Only about five million dollars is what's in her estate. Now, there's a lot more to it than that. There could be assets, and depending on how what kind of assets, market value may have changed. Well, and the thing is, the home in California sold for about five. I think it was like four point three million. The home in Palm Beach sold for a little over three million. Um. The condo is the only thing that she kept. It was paid for. Um, which, by the way, when it sold, after the estate was settled, that was, you know, part of what went right. into the millions. However, here's what I don't... The comment about, I'm hiding, I feel like I'm hiding out in a small town. Um, Who is to say that Jackie didn't take $10 million of her money, plot and plan this shit, orchestrate it, and this woman... Lived the rest of her life on a fucking beach somewhere. And, you know, I early on, we, we, you and I tossed that around a lot because, um, it was so fantastical that this, this crime scene is there and there's literally no body. No hit and from cadaver no dogs. Trail no of, hit from search yeah, teams. No trail leading out of the house that, like, a dead body left the house. The cadaver dogs would have sensed it. So, nothing. There's nothing. No, nothing. Um, yeah, we we literally tossed this one around for a couple days because we're like, wait, maybe she just yanked your money and split, you know? You know what? Maybe honestly, because we don't know, we we don't know Ralph Levitz. We don't know. Did he have some dirty dealings in his in his back pocket? I'm not saying he did or didn't. Yeah, maybe um, she was threatened or something. And yeah, needed to like go. you decide on a whim. You use this family excuse and say. Hey, um, I really just want to do all this and I want to, so I buy a $200,000 house when you could buy the most pretentious Annabella mansion in Vicksburg, Mississippi in the nineties. And you buy a $250,000 house. You could have easily planned to say, I have money to burn. I'm going to redo this house. Just kidding. Cause for all we know, judging by the way her family acted after how were they acting before? Because the only right. the only family member who has ever given an interview and spoken out and spoken about Jackie and being like, I want to find her, has really been one brother, I believe, was like, yeah, I mean, we'd like to find her. 
And then the one that's been beating down doors and like, I want to know what happened to my sister has been Tiki Shivers. Right. And her yeah. husband. Yeah. The rest of the family it. has been like mums the fucking word. Mm-hmm. It's like my family. So if I went missing different. tomorrow, they're not gonna try. Yeah. And so maybe she had some issues with her family as well. I don't know, but but um so many different theories and whatnot. So um yeah. I I think that at this point it may be safe to say um she's no longer with us. I believe, I mean, even, she'll be 90 years old now. The chances are is very slim anyways. But who is to say that she didn't split? I'm not saying she did. I'm not saying she didn't. It is a theory right. because there's. Definitely. Here's the thing. There was never, obviously this wasn't a kidnapping. Let's rule that no. out. No ransom. No, note, because no well, not robbery. only that, we had, we had, what, hound dogs, sniffers, whatever, um, no, no scent was detected. No. Cadaver dogs, nothing. So if, it, if she had left that house alive or dead or bleeding, they would have they would have picked up on a scent. However, if she was murdered in the house, wrapped up in a sheet, and then taken out, there may not be any odors. So, possibly. But wouldn't there be... Okay. Yes and no. Because... <laughs> Just my know, thoughts. I mean, yeah, there's so much. Um, I think, though, that if anyone knows anything out there, um, I don't even know who they'd call. I think they should just send us a message, right? Honestly, I I would be I would be open to any theory. Um, Any I'm like, I would be open to any theory. I would be open to any. thought processes because here's the thing at first it was like oh she's been kidnapped there was no ransom Mm. no one contacted the family and said if you want to see your loved one alive give me 10 million dollars right yeah no ransom no nothing um yeah i don't think it was a kidnapping um but uh yeah i just really like the theory that she ran off somewhere I like the theory because I want to live in the fantasy land. That's exactly what happened. And she planned to live her life on the beach. But now, okay, so um, I wonder, mm. the other part of me is like, the son inherited like $4 million of her estate. So he got the majority. Um, But in the way Ralph's will was written. Now, here's what's really crazy because I went and did some digging on this. The way that Ralph's estate was written was that upon Jackie's death, his grandkids would inherit all of his money, but they didn't. It all stayed in Jackie's estate. So it was never dispersed out to his grandchildren either. Hmm. So maybe maybe one of them had something to do with it. You never know. I'd be I'm gonna be really honest hmm. with you. This man's been married five times, and if I'm one of his kids or grandkids, and here comes some floozy 20 years younger than my dad or grandpa, and she's living the high life, and I'm over here eating fucking crumbs, I'm going to be a little pissed off if I don't get a piece of the pot. I'm just saying, this man's worth multi-millions of dollars, and Mm -hmm. so there's, there's the theory of, did his family have a vendetta? Um, And the fact that I just I find it so weird the comment. I, I go back to the comment of hiding out in a in a small town. Like I 
that just yeah doesn't I don't know it, it doesn't it really doesn't set well with me I don't get it I don't understand it mm. um because I would have never made that comment I would have been like wow I'm really enjoying the slow pace of living right I wouldn't be like I'm, I'm I feel like I'm or, you know, I'm hiding out in a small town Lady, hmm. people are going to know who you are. You were pretty. You were blonde. Right. You drove a yeah. green colored dra a Jaguar. Like, you stuck but out possibly like a sore thumb. She was possibly not necessarily full on hiding out, but like, in a sense, she was hiding out. There may have been something going on. Possibly people were threatening her. She did walk away with a lot of, a lot of money from someone that left it to other, I mean, possibly should have been dispersed amongst his family as well. But he left it to her. So I would imagine well, there would be a lot of pissed off people. What we don't know is how much that she actually inherited from Smitty. Because mm. she sold all of his tech houses when he died. She sold their estate that they had. Um, and apparently, I mean, he had quite a massive estate that they lived in as well. So we don't know how much money she inherited from the first husband that passed away. Um, we obviously know she didn't get anything from her, her first husband, uh, Walter Bolton, because he apparently went broke and Jackie didn't like being broke, um, from the way that he words it. Now, I think that was a very rude and crude thing to say, mm -hmm. considering this woman bust her ass and made her own money, but we don't know what his situation was. We don't know if he had, he had children prior or, uh, grandchildren that would have wanted a piece of the pie. So there's a lot of. Things to me that seem a little suspicious, but the fur the the fingernails for me, and knowing that well, like okay now we have fighting. DNA. Well, that's because she was fighting. And again, now, that's uh, I believe that firmly. That's why they took the body. She oh, fought too. back. She but fought hard. Thing, we have DNA testing now. If you've sent all this evidence for DNA testing, there has to be DNA. If you break your fingernails in a struggle, there's gonna be DNA under your nails. I don't know if the family, excuse me, if the family is not willing to like, you know, like in, in the story of Billy Scott, you had the family pushing and pushing and hey, test yeah. his DNA. But in this particular case, no one's pushing for that. No one's no, fighting No, it's just for like it. the local authorities are like, yeah, we're not going to give up. But the family's not but like beating down the door. DNA, yeah. Nobody's pushing hard for that. So um, it most likely won't go anywhere. I don't so. know. I'm... When I tell you I am so utterly just at a loss with this one, I genuinely am. I don't mm -hmm. the theories, no, the questions, it. and and honestly, the hours that we've spent and the ideas <laughs> that we've tossed back and forth. What I do know is I commend the police department, the sheriff's department for still Absolutely. being committed to this case 28 years mm -hmm. later. Yep. Um, because quite frankly, could y'all give some lessons to some of the local ones around here? Right. Some of all the other ones out there in the country that don't do their jobs. Exactly. Um, I think that's why, honestly, I believe that's why Sheriff Pace is still the sheriff. And I believe, you know, he's running for reelection this year. And I believe that's probably why he has stayed in. It's because he is very dedicated to the people of Warren County. And he shows right. that by just the way that he speaks of Jackie and, the way that he speaks about believing that this case is solvable and he is pretty much determined he will solve this case at some point. I mean, he's just, and I don't, I, right. I think that's very commendable. 
Yeah. I always believe that every case is solvable. Any case is solvable. You know, it's always, it's always solvable. Um, will you get the results you want? Maybe not, but it's always, uh, uh, you have the ability to solve a case. Exactly. It just takes the right amount of work. Um, I think someone in that town knows something. Perhaps they may, 100%. Have been, they may have passed on since then, or maybe very elderly, but someone knows something. Someone a relative of, of, of the perpetrator, somebody's got to know something. So I believe that hundred um, percent. And like, I, 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 you know what I do, I believe that they're going to get an answer for this. I believe they're going to figure it out. I just think that when they do, it's going to be not what we expected at all. Honestly, mm -mm. I think it's going to be yeah. like, so, so insane. And the twist is going to be so wild. I like, this is the roller coaster. My money, my money is on like a disgruntled worker or somebody that took her kindness the wrong way. Like you talked about. I think it's, um, I, I really have this gut feeling that it was somebody who became infatuated with her at the casinos. Because she was there. Oh, it's a possibility there, too. I don't know mm -hmm. why, but you just, I know, I spend a lot of time, I've gone to Vicksburg a lot. I go to the casinos over there a lot. And you see the same people every weekend. So it's a given. Maybe, maybe she would see somebody regularly. He hit on her a couple times. She's like, nope, not interested. Follows her home. I think that would be the man in the pickup he... truck that bought the barbecue grill. Well, that I okay. Going back to that real quick because I need to get off of here soon. But um, going back to that, I wondered if that was just uh, a neighbor, or perhaps somebody that said, "Oh, you want to buy a barbecue? You don't have a truck? Oh, I'll go take you to do it." You know, I mean, and see, but now when that statement come out, if you that. were, but if that when that statement came out, if you were the neighbor that did, wouldn't you be like, "Oh, that was me. That was me." I would. Maybe she hired someone from a town or two over, you know. It's possible. It's quite possible. Um, There's a list of things. Be, but I just, Do I don't know who that person was. Do we no, even know? Who nobody, that nobody recognized nobody, nobody, this man okay. and has never seen him again. So that's why it made me think that somebody she hired, but perhaps somebody, um, a grifter coming into the casinos. They spend some time together. She says, okay, this was fun, but uh, and I'm not interested. I've been married too many times. so we I'm not her. doing this again. I'm living my own life for me. And then they get this girl <laughs> and they're pissed off. Right. And, and they then, saw her as an opportunity mm -hmm. because of the money. Mm -hmm. Possibly. Um, I just think it was a crime. Uh, of, I think of it was a crime of opportunity. Anger, passion. Um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say opportunity because nothing was stolen. So I would say anger, passion, something like that. Yeah. Because nothing in our home was stolen. So that's what's so crazy um, to me is if you're going to um, go to this extreme, why didn't you just go and steal the shit too while you were there? I mean, you've already killed this woman. Like what more can you possibly do? Right. Right. It's a brutal, brutal crime scene. Not just like, you know, you stabbed her once and ran like somebody sliced her open like a fish because the, yes. the amount of blood was horrific. So um, it, it's a crime to me of straight rage and anger or on the flip side, passion. If I can't have you, no one will. Exactly. And, and I, two, I genuinely, I, I just, I don't know. I have this feeling or this theory of you're going to the casino. People at the casino like to spend money. They like to gamble. She was very flashy with her money. Um, 
she met somebody at the casino and they wanted a little bit more and maybe they mistook her friendliness for, you know, misread a signal. And mm, it's a good, know, good theory. I think it's a more, most solid one that I, I think um, only because again, I don't even know how to explain it. I believe in her 100% there was rape involved. I do. I do too. Um, the mattress 100%. being flipped over. Um, I do believe no sheets her, on the her bed. nail. Yeah. No sheets. Her nails are, are completely broken off. She fought for a reason. You yes. Know? Um, it wasn't somebody just overpowering her and slitting her throat. It was somebody attacking her and raping her. That's why she fought so I hard. I think that somebody knocked on her door and she, like, I think that, I don't think anybody was waiting in the house. But then there's the other mm. theory. They could have been, I don't think anybody was waiting in her house. I genuinely believe that she came home. Someone followed her, possibly knew her routine or whatever. Had, once again, mm -hmm. if it was somebody from the casino that she'd become friends with, they knew you know, oh, she pop in. And I think that they knocked on the door and she's like, oh, and it's so-and-so. And she lets them in. Opens and the door, yeah, lets them yeah. in and the attacker, yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I believe she, I think mm -hmm. that she knew her attacker. I think so too, because um, it doesn't, there was no um, indication of somebody breaking in, so. No. Mm -mm, so. so I believe, I genuinely do, I believe that she knew her attacker and she let him in mm -hmm. and it was it became her demise and I believe that her body did end up in that river I agree. and for whatever reason it's never I don't know I've wondered how many Jane Doe's have washed up on the river that have never been identified on the banks from Vicksburg on might be something we'd have to look into yeah be interesting so anyway. but you know what guys I we this one's been crazy and it's been wild but honestly if you have your own theories your own questions your own whatever at this point we're open to any of them mm -hmm. um because and we are we're at a loss on this one along with mm -hmm. i think everyone else that's ever looked into it um okay. and i think the reason we wanted to do this when we talked about it is there's really not a lot out there about Jackie, which is really sad mm -hmm. because you would think that this would be one that would be talked about and it's not so and i like a good missing persons case every now and then with right. a little twist. So, um, yeah. Um, but now Definitely that we have time, so. fallen down this cocktail infused rabbit hole, um, honestly, we're open to comments, suggestions, questions. We kind of have talked about doing like a little Halloween special. So, any questions that you have, you can leave on our YouTube, our Facebook, our Instagram. Um, or you can email us, cocktailspodcast at gmail.com. Um, and, uh, and you know what? We will feature, and you can ask us anything. We're going to have just like a little Halloween special, something for fun. And we're probably going to have our little guest back, our, our hmm. uh, Mr. Spooktacular, uh, which would be <laughs> awesome. He's going to come on, I think, um, for an, another case. And if everybody remembers, he's a law enforcement agent. So really get your questions together because that'd be fun to use his knowledge in our true crime journey here. So. Absolutely. But ladies and gentlemen, this will wrap up another episode of cocktails and crimes. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week, Friday, 7 PM central standard time. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.